Hey, Julie. Hey, Lisa. How are you doing? Good. Our second week in a row. Is our second week or third? I'm losing track of time now. Are you losing track of the days and time? Oh, for sure. It's Friday and someone joked, what are you doing this weekend? And I'm like, <laughs> the same thing I've been doing every day, but maybe this weekend I'll put on my more casual pajamas or workout clothes during the day. Exactly. You know, it's, um, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, it's funny to look at my calendar and like have a blank calendar. It's very weird to have nothing on the calendar. My calendar is still full, but there's nothing I can do. Like I haven't bothered to take anything off of it, but it's just kind of funny to see what was supposed to happen today. Oh yeah. No, yeah. I went through, I went through the calendar at the beginning of the week and took off things just, I don't know, cause it kind of felt good in a way to take them off, but yeah, but it's, it, it's, it is weird to, to see what was supposed to happen. And I'm definitely losing track of time. Yeah. I'm learning to like lean in better into this life of, of laziness. Um, everyone's sleeping in later in my house, which I've, I've never gotten oh, yeah. more sleep than I have during, uh, this coronavirus situation during pandemic. So I'm going to say that I'm living my best, um, pandemic life. I'm sleeping in the best that I can. I'm trying to move my body every day. I'm trying to, um, make sure that everybody in the house does something meaningful each day, um, including the things we need to do, but just something that brings, you know, each person a little joy. And I'm trying to make sure that, um, we just kind of keep a peaceful home. In Hebrew, we call it shalom bayit, where if anyone is feeling testy or upset, I just try really hard to let everyone feel the feelings, but at the same time, get some separation and move to different parts of the house or get outside, of course, because this really potentially could be in each home, each subset, its own disaster if we don't manage it well. So I'm just trying really hard right now that's my controllable that i can try and control is how we're all doing in my family unit to maintain a peaceful home the winner in our family is the dog oh god yeah dog is loving like lots of walks and being outside and um having us all around so i'm saying the dog is the true winner in our house i saw this meme the other day or this funny thing i know it is the dog that's laying on the floor that's like dead on the floor is it that one? Okay, oh, okay, it's that one, but there's another one. It's a dog. It, it's it's a, actually not a meme. It's a video where the dog okay. is like saying all these um, expletives and he's like, get, get, get the F out of my house. I'm so <laughs> sick of you people. I want my life back where I have peace and quiet without you here. It's oh, there so was funny. another funny one that has a dog. It's like talking like, and it's kind of animated and it's talking and it's like, I don't understand what this, what this, you know, coronavirus is. And I don't understand, like, and it just, it's funny about, um, it, it, it kind of talks about it from a dog's perspective, but it's, it's along, it's, it's not as angry as the dog that wants everyone out of the house, but it's, it's, um, it's, it's a funny one. So there are lots of funny things going around the internet and social media, which we've had more time to look at these days because that is yeah, our interaction. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. I was going to say there's been a lot of um, humor because that's the best way to cope when we're in difficult situations is, I think, is is peppering it with humor. And, I, and we've definitely seen a lot of that. And we've also seen a lot of um, pivots where people have taken their challenges and turned them into opportunities. And I think that is going to continue for quite some time. And I like to look at that 
from a human and business perspective to kind of see what people are doing during this difficult time to manage. So um, one example that we're seeing, and we're gonna talk to Rachel Miller, um, our physical therapist next about this is so many healthcare practitioners are moving into telehealth and that is their pivot and it's actually working okay. Yeah, same thing with a lot of the uh, trainers that we work with uh, who are having to train virtually. So we've been featuring some of their videos on our Facebook page this week and that seems to be going well too. I think I mentioned last week that one of my goals was to focus more on strength and uh, I wasn't really getting in any strength and I wasn't really motivated to get any strength. So I made my goal this week, my process goal to get in three strength sessions. And I've been using the videos that we've posted and they're great. And I'm actually realizing that I do like them. And it's just a matter of picking one and finding the time and setting myself up in a place where I can watch the laptop and just, and just doing it. And, and it's great. So um, I think that's something for me that's made me focus. I've never done that before. Um, I've always just done things on my own. So I made that my process goal this week. And I love that we have these wonderful resources and, and it's effective. So look, I've never gone to a class or I don't use a trainer in person and it's working for me. So I hope that for our trainers, this becomes another way for them to conduct their business and to help people because uh, I, I find it, I actually like it. So what classes did you do this week? Did you do angels and then Eric's, which were the two um, strength training exercises we strength training routines we posted on our Facebook page? I did. Um, and I also then did uh, yesterday, um, one of our fellow Lululemon ambassadors, Tammy Cardillman, has been doing videos every day and posting them. And I did one of hers yesterday. So oh, that's great. Just been, you know, in one sense, at first, I was like, so overwhelmed, because there are so many out there. And there are so many talented, really good trainers that we respect and that we've worked with and that have some really great content. So I actually keep saving their videos to kind of put in the queue to do every few days. Um, so at first it was like, I was almost overwhelmed with like, oh my gosh, there are so many, what, what do I pick? And that's where it helped me that we had trainers who designed programs specifically for us and for our runners. So that was easy to start with those. And then as I've been seeing ones posted that look good and look like, you know, the type of equipment that I might have at home or the right duration or focusing on the right strength, I've just been saving those as well, because it, it can be overwhelming right now. There are so many resources out there, not only what people are producing now that we're in this time of virtual communications and virtual, virtual interactions, but even if you just go on YouTube and search for strength training for runners, you can find a lot of really good videos there too. So uh, it can be overwhelming, but I think just trying to focus on what you're looking for and maybe a trainer that you particularly enjoy mm -hmm. or trying somebody new, and seeing if their style and uh, their their recordings work for you. Um, you know, some people are doing live, some people are on, on Zoom or on Facebook, some people are doing recorded. So I think there's a both, there's a benefit to both. I like the live ones in that, you know, you actually feel like somebody's watching you and that you're with people virtually. Uh, but the recorded ones, you can do at your own pace, you can do them later if, you know, it's not the time that you want to do them. So I think that's just the first step is sort of, honing in on and just picking out a few. And if you don't like them, you know what, then skip it, skip to the end and go find another one and just make it a point to, to just commit to it, just like you would do anything else. 
Yeah, I think those are great tips. Um, so for this week, we just featured, in addition to the two um, that we mentioned, Angel Cabrera's video is up there on our Facebook page, followed by Eric Giroux's video. Um, and then last night, we shared um, Lauren Bernard's is it Bernice? Bernard. I always, Bernard. <laughs> Lauren, sorry if we mispronounced your last name. Um, she's the trainer with the gym, Sunny Lawrence, and she um, did a specific uh, strength training video for Run Farther and Faster Runners that we just threw up on our Facebook page last night. And Lauren, like the other two we mentioned, are is a runner-friendly um, trainer. She's great. And uh, I think if anyone were to take those three routines that we threw up over the past two weeks on our Facebook page and rotated those, they would be in great shape yep. for, um, for supporting their running during this time and then carrying that through into race season when that occurs again. Yep. She's hers is next to my queue. So next time, sometime this weekend, I'll probably do give hers a try. Yeah. I loved it. I did hers this morning and I really liked it. Didn't take long at all. And I felt like I got a really good workout. So, um, yeah, and, and I agree. I think it's fun if it works out with timing to do some of the live Zoom classes because you feel like you're getting some human contact and killing two birds with one stone when you're able to take a live class too. So um, I know Prime Fitness has a free community right now where they've got live classes, as does Tammy Cardillman. So, yep, Gold's um, Gym and Gold, Gold Fit. They do. Yeah. Um, uh, Kelly Blaze, who's a trainer at uh, the AstraZeneca Fitness Center where I teach cycle classes, has set up a Facebook page as well um, uh, that has she's been putting work ups up, workouts up there. I did. Uh, I had done one of those um, earlier. So uh, lots of different resources out there and live or recorded to do after. Definitely take advantage of them. And like you said, we have um, a little bit more time now where we're all kind of juggling a lot of things going on. I, I feel like I should have more time, but I've got, I'm um, just like you, we've got kids who are trying to do, mine have already been doing online learning and while they're independent, still making sure everybody's, you know, on task and helping with technical difficulties or issues that come up and, um, you know, just also finding family time to get together and uh, I'm working at home on my other uh, part-time work. So trying to balance all of that, I thought I'd have more time than I do. I find I'm doing these strength trainings like later at night, like after everyone settles down because I haven't had time yet to do them during the day. So while we do have more flexibility, I think is probably the better word because a lot of us are at home. Um, still, it's important to find the time to, to fit that in. And just like anything else, kind of schedule it into your day. Even Even if you don't have anything on your calendar, like I don't, I try to think like, okay, at nine o'clock, I'm going to do this and schedule it in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to, to work around it. Absolutely. Our schedules are way off and it's, it's, I'm trying my best to get into a routine, but I am finding, like you just mentioned, every day is different just because of troubleshooting and sort of balancing um, other jobs. And of course, um, working in all of the training we're doing for our own clients and making sure we're staying on top of everyone um, to that end, because we want to make sure that our clients are okay, too. I mean, our runners are going through the exact same thing as everyone else, and we want to support them as well. So those communications also are sort of scattered about throughout the day as well, and, and making sure we take care of everyone. Yeah, somehow the day just gets, you know, again, you wake up, there's nothing on the calendar, you think, all right, I've got all day, and then it's nine o'clock at night, and where did the, where did the day go? So um, I guess that's, that's good. I don't know. I feel like as the weeks go on and as we, you know, we don't know how long this is going to last, maybe we'll get a little bit more free time. But um, even if not, uh, I think it's important 
you know, to get up every morning, kind of think through a rough schedule. And um, I don't know, for me, it keeps me sane to like at least have some structure to my day. Um, so that's what we've been doing around for sure. here. So can I give a couple of highlights of my week that have made me smile? Sure. Okay, so the first is the show on Netflix, Tiger King. Um, well, I keep seeing this posted like you on. Have, it, it is such a shit show. It's so great. Um, I, I recommend it's on Netflix? It to, Netflix? Yeah, it's on okay. Netflix. It's basically about this whole subculture of, of the, um, the, the zoos that, that you know, aren't like your normal national zoo or whatever. Um, so like, you, like, did the you petting zoos. like the petting zoos. <laughs> no, not. A, yeah. It's like people who um, have lions and tigers yeah, and stuff, yeah, you yeah. know, and like, do you remember lion country in, in yeah. Florida? Uh -huh. Okay. It's like that, those kind of places. So it, I, I'm just, I'm on episode I just finished two, so um, I'm, I'm taking it slow because I feel like it's a gift to myself and I want to watch it when I need a laugh. You're meeting it out in small doses. Yeah, yeah, so I highly recommend it to you. I feel like it will make you you sort of think about that and, and you know, <laughs> it's great TV. So that's one highlight. And then um, another for me has been um, – working with um, a couple of restaurants in our area where um, we've been able to collect um, money from friends and family to, to um, pay restaurants to then provide meal deliveries to the ER department at local hospitals. So, it. so it's a win-win. We're yeah. supporting local businesses and, and small businesses and also supporting those those uh, medical professionals that are on the front lines. Yeah, exactly. So that's been one of my projects to do. And it always helps me when I'm um, struggling to look outside of myself and do something for someone else. It just completely elevates my mood and makes me feel better about what's going on around me. So um, there really isn't too much I felt like we could do because we're being told to stay home. So um, being able to do something from my couch um, has helped me personally um, feel a little bit better about the situation. Yeah, that's great. Well, so what were, do you have any highlights from the week that you want to share? Um, just, uh, you know, yeah, just, uh, I think, like I said, I think mentioned last week, I've, I've been really enjoying the extra time um, with my kids. And um, we pulled out an old, well, it's not old, but one we haven't done before, a uh, big jigsaw puzzle, you know, thousand piece puzzle. And we've been working on that together as a family. One thing that's been really fun for me to see is um, my, I think I've mentioned before, all my kids are on a cycling team and they're avid cyclists. And my son has really gotten into bike repair and mechanics of bike and bikes. And he is very good at repairing his own bikes, the bikes in the house. and um, had offered to help a few neighbors uh, tune up their bikes. You know, people are taking out their bikes now because one of the few things we can do in addition to running is riding our bikes outside. So people have been digging out their old bikes out of the garages and he's been helping some of our neighbors and friends um, tune up their bikes and uh, decided that he was gonna put it out more widely that he, he could do that. And, and people's just word of mouth was spreading that he was helping. And he has now set up a little, uh, his own little, I wouldn't call it a business because. Um, you know, there's no businesses going on right now, but he's got a, he's got a line of, he, yesterday he worked on four or five bikes 
And I was just so impressed to see him. One of the bikes that came was, was pretty broken. And, uh, you know, at first he said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to fix this. This is like maybe beyond my knowledge. And I looked at it and I thought, well, you're probably just gonna have to tell them that, you know, that's broken and that's not something you can fix. And he spent a good amount of time researching and looking at videos online and he went back out to the garage and he came back and he said mom come here I want to show you something and I came out and he had fixed the bike completely he figured out what needed wow, to be done that's and so he, great. he fixed it and he brought it back to the neighbor and the neighbor was like wow that's that's amazing um and went and put something on Facebook and he got now like three more emails today of people who want him to want to fix their bikes. But it's so been so neat to watch him. He's passionate about it. He's now set up like he has a spreadsheet of whose bikes he has and you know when they brought it in and uh you know we returned a couple of bikes yesterday to people and he's been honing his skills in emailing people and communicating with them and I've made him go to their houses themselves carefully, you know, leaving the bikes outside curbside delivery. Um and wiping down bikes with with, uh, with antibacterial wipes, but I'm working with gloves. Uh, but he's been, uh, just to watch him do that has been, he, and he's so overjoyed and he's been you know making a little money doing it and he's saving up to buy his own bike. He needs another bike now because it's growing. And he said, I wanna buy this bike this time. And so he's saving up to buy his bike and just to watch him uh, really figure out how to take these challenges and instead of getting frustrated and saying like, I can't fix this and giving it back, figuring out how to fix a bike, working through it, communicating with the adults, bringing the, just really, it's, it's been really neat for me to watch him, him do that. So he's very enthusiastic and setting up spreadsheets today and emailing with people and, and arranging to get more bikes. That's, That's super impressive and a great example of, again, pivoting and working on a project that he enjoys and doing something for others. I love it. Yeah. So that's been, that's been a cool thing for me to watch this week. So um, Lisa, I want to, before we get into uh, our guest today, who is our dear friend, Rachel Miller, um, the owner of ProAction Physical Therapy, someone we've talked about so much on our podcast, we're finally having her on. And the reason we're having her on today is not just because we wanted her to talk about how to prevent injury during these uncertain times and what we, what little things we can work on as runners during this time of no racing. But we also wanted to have Rachel on because Rachel has had a, some tremendously um, horrible, for lack of a better word, uh, life experience that she is willing to share with our listeners because her advice on how to deal with really tough situations is spot on and we hope it will help those who are listening. And that's why we wanted to have her on. But I wanted to have her on because I wanted her to also share her situation because Lisa, you're going through something really rough right now on top of um, what we're going through um, in general. And um, with your permission, um, we talked before we started recording and you um, have decided that you wanted to share what you're going through with our listeners today. So, um, I'm just going to have you talk about it a little bit. Yeah. And I apologize if I get emotional. I promised myself I wouldn't. And um, uh, first I want to thank you, Julie, because you're always, you know, you've been a huge support for me, not only recently, but over the years. And um, I apologize in advance to any friends or family who listen, who hear this firsthand through the podcast. Hopefully that's not, not the case, but it's not something I've been able to talk about openly or or really wanting to, um, you know, too, too widely, but, um, 
yeah, in addition to everything that we're going on through right now, uh, for the last several months, I've been going through a divorce. And uh, it is not my choice or my uh, wish or desire, but uh, Dan has uh, decided to leave and he uh, officially moved out of the house um, in the middle of all this. Not, it, it was, um, it's been several months in, in the works, but it just happened to be that the move out was in the midst of all of this. So um, yeah, it's been a very um, challenging, challenging uh, few months and um, has really made me uh, not only uh, have to lean on a lot of people and uh, find support in our community, um, but also refocus and, and, and force myself to um, try to focus on, on the positives and the good. Um, having our, I have to be honest, having our runners to coach has been a huge uh, help for me. I love focusing on our runners. And uh, again, apologize. I haven't, we haven't talked about this with any of our runners. So any of our runners who are listening, um, apologize for hearing about this through the podcast, but just not something I wanted to um, bring into our, our coaching relationships because I wanted to make sure I still gave our all of our runners 100% of, of my attention. And that has certainly helped. Um, teaching cycle classes while I was still tight teaching was something that also really helped me kind of force me to put on a happy face and go in and um, interact with people, which really uh, helped me. Um, but it was one of the reasons um, we talked a little bit last week about my conflict feeling, you know, teaching classes where we had a lot of social, uh, not social distancing and my feelings of conflict of teaching and having people in classes and really not being comfortable with people being in classes and but people were looking at me and thinking, well, why are you here teaching the class if this isn't what we should be doing? And unfortunately for me, I was in a position where, um, you know, teaching the classes for me is a small part of, of income that comes in, but an important part. And uh, so it was really, I didn't have a choice, but to go teach those classes. So um, it, it's been, it's just been a very, uh, challenging time, but also a, a time of, of gratitude, the support that I've gotten and my children and my family have received from, uh, from you, Julie, from our community, from my neighbors, our family is, has been what has kept me going. And uh, uh, Rachel, who we're about to have on, is somebody who I've always looked to for uh, inspiration and advice and has always given me such great advice and guidance, um, you know, my big concern and my big fear has always been my children and my children's well-being and uh, being the best mother that I can still be. And uh, I've watched Rachel do that for her children through much more challenging, much more uh, difficult and more intense grief. So she has been somebody who has really helped me focus on controlling the controllables, on um, trying to put some of the, the less positive parts of what's going on in our lives sort of aside in a box and finding the bigger boxes of joy and gratitude and uh, taking a step back and looking at, at what's important and finding those, those good things in life. And um, so that, that's uh, a reason I wanted to have Rachel on because I just think she's been, in addition to being a resource for us and keeping our runners healthy and making us better coaches, she has made me, and I know you feel the same way, a, a better person. And her 
life experience and her advice on handling adversity, which we're all going through now and whatever levels that we have um, is, is really something that I think of, of all the podcasts we've done and we've done many great ones and so much good advice from so many experts and so many generous um, people in our community who've spent time with us. But right now, especially at this time for me personally, and I think for us more as a community, uh, what Rachel has to say is um, invaluable and has helped me put things in perspective. And I hope that does the same thing for everybody uh, who gets to listen to her podcast, her interview on her podcast. Well, <clears throat> that was really well said. And I'm, I'm super impressed and proud of you. Um, I always am proud of you and I'm here for you. And I know that I'm in a long line of people who admire you for your strength, not of course your physical strength, but more importantly, your emotional strength, but never apologize for not sharing or anything or apologizing if you ever feel like crying or if you don't, whatever it is, no apologies because you're doing great. And um, gotta tell you, running's been a big, <laughs> a big sanity saver for me now, and and running alone, um, which we're encouraging all of our runners to do right now. Really, uh, yeah, I have support in my community and my friends that are always checking in and making sure everybody's okay, and have given us such good advice. But uh, that time running alone for me um, is not just my social distancing practice, but really has been uh, vital, vital to me. It's almost like my air right now. So uh, Rachel is going to talk a little bit about how she found that same source of comfort. And you talk a little bit about how it's that self-soothing. And I cannot emphasize that enough. And I'm trying to be very careful about making sure that I'm not overdoing it, but it is um, almost um, as, as good as air to me and just gets me my head in the right place every day. So uh, for anybody out there who is nervous about running alone or isn't used to running alone with without their running buddies which we're trying to to put a little bit of a some distance on right now i i would say get out and run by yourself and don't be afraid um and i i never run with music or that's just me i just don't run with music or podcasts just because i like to be with my thoughts and that that has definitely like i said been my been my the air that i breathe these days so um definitely definitely need my running these days. Yeah, and I think um, that's great advice, Lisa, for anyone going through a hard time is you need to take care of yourself. Um, the analogy, you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on your kids when you're flying on an airplane. Um, the same analogy goes in this case where you need to do something for yourself so that you can be the best mom, coach, um, whatever it is, whatever role you need to do at that time, you can be, and you're, you're doing that by finding the activity that for right now is, is soothing you. What, what advice, if any, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I just feel like you, you're so wise, and this is not a, this is not an old situation. This is a relatively new situation, so if you don't have advice yet, I totally understand, but if, if there's someone going through what you're going through, do you have any advice for them right now? And then my second part of this question is, and what advice do you have for others who want to support someone going through what you're going through? Those are great questions, and I appreciate you asking. And um, I mean, I think the advice has to be that um, there's always something positive 
to take out of challenging situations. There's always something um, productive that you can do, and it may be really hard to find that at any given time. Um, you know, we get very mired in our own situations, and some very justifiably so. Uh, um, but I, I think, like you had mentioned earlier, in times of grief and in times of anxiety, looking for those opportunities for happiness uh, is really, really important and um, taking care of yourself. And that's something I struggle with. I know Rachel will talk about this. It's something she struggles, struggled with and struggles with. Uh, I think that's something all of us as um, busy parents and, um, you know, we're so, so focused on my kids. And that really is my first, always been my first priority, um, protecting them and making sure that they're, they're happy. Uh, but we can't do that if we're, we're not happy ourselves. So um, I, I think that is um, some of the most important advice is to really uh, look for the look for the positive, look for what is um, what you can do that's productive and positive, and and take care of yourself. Uh, don't be afraid to rely on your community and your friends is, is another piece of advice that I would give based on you know just the what what I've gone through. Um, and don't be afraid to ask for support or to look for support. Um, people are very generous with their support. Um, and, and never doubt your, your self-worth uh, is, is also really important. And for people who are trying to support others going through something like this, uh, I think it goes mm -hmm. similar to what we say when people are grieving um, something else, a death or, you know, something, an uh, illness or something like that. Um, make sure that person knows that you're there. Um, don't think that you know what kind of support they need. It's okay to ask them. It's okay to say, I don't know what you need, but I'm here. Um, it's okay to offer something specific. Like, can I, I'm, I want to bring you a meal. I mean, that's something very easy. Everyone <laughs> wants to, wants to bring a meal, uh, you know, uh, when, when this first all started and our close family friends and neighbors knew a lot of people wanted to bring food or take me out to dinner or I, I felt like I was very well fed, which is, is always appreciated, but, um, you know, but that may not be the right thing. So um, just, I, I think just for me, knowing that people are thinking about me, um, just even getting a text that says, hey, I'm thinking about you today is, is really helpful. And just being willing to listen um, is, is just, um, you can't fix it. And uh, that's, a lot of people feel like they wanna fix it or they wanna do something uh, right away to, to be proactive. And that's, I think, a normal human reaction, but uh, that, that's, not always fixable, so just just being there, I, I think, is is uh, really important, and just making sure that um, you know that you are listening and being there to listen. So that that's what I would say right now. Ask me in a, in another few weeks if I have any other advice, but that's what's been most meaningful to me uh, during this time. That's great advice. I'm so proud of you, Lisa. Well, you know, I think anyone who's gone through something like this or any challenge would say there's nothing that I've done that's extraordinary. It's just uh, what we have to do. You know, when I was first had my my third child, so I had three kids that were under two years old. My kids, you know, have twins, and then I have another daughter who are very close in age, 19 months apart. So I had three under two for a while, and people said, I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you do. You know, when I was going through, I don't know how you do it. How did you do that? How did you survive? And you just do whatever you can you've been given like you just have to there's no choice really we all have to keep moving forward so there's no there's really not a choice and it's not 
Um, you don't know how strong you are, what you're capable of until you're put to that challenge. But um, just like what we're going through right now, I feel like we're all going to come out stronger. And uh, it, it is a challenge and uh, we're all in a bit of, uh, we don't know what's going to happen. There's anxiety, there's uncertainty. Um, but one thing I'm pretty sure of is that we will keep moving forward because we don't really have a choice. And how you move forward is up to you. So it's also really uh, something else that I've learned is it's it's really your perspective and your experience in the situation is in your control. It is, you know, you can decide, you can choose how how you react to a situation. You can control the controllables. When I was young, my father used to say to me when I'd yell at him and say, you make me so mad or you made me cry or you make me upset. And he would say, I didn't make you do that. You chose, <laughs> maybe I did something, but you, you, you're choosing how you're, you're feeling. And, and it, it is true to an extent, like we have crappy things happen to us and other people may do things that uh, could make us feel bad, but that's not in our control. What's in our control is how we react to that. And, um, how we decide to move forward. So that's what I think is so important right now is how are we going to react to this current situation, whatever that may be. I mean, the broader situation, individual situations that are going on with people individually on top of all of this, which just makes it harder, but how you decide to, to frame that and how you decide to take that next step forward is totally up to you. I love that. It's, it couldn't be truer right now. It couldn't be true in your personal situation. It couldn't be true in all of our personal situations. Um, especially for parents, our kids aren't going to remember necessarily what they did day to day during this pandemic. They're going to remember their general feelings and, and what their home felt like and, and how we as parents reacted to it. And how we so, frame it. Look, if we frame, we frame it like, it. hey, yeah, hey, look, we get this time together. Like, hey, you get to sleep late in the morning. You don't have to wake up at 630 for, to get, you know, to commute to school or to get to school. Like, we get this extra time. And I think it, that is a really good point. It's how we frame it to our kids. If we're like anxiety and, oh my gosh, this is so bad and it's horrible. And, and it is, and we can't undermine that this is, you know, sure. Would we like to have this time without the side order of people getting very sick and dying? Like, absolutely. Um, but it's really how we frame it and that how we model that for, for our kids and what we focus on. Um, I think is exactly, exactly right. That's what they're going to remember is that, hey, we had extra family time. We got to sleep a little later. We got to, you know, talk to all our friends on a Zoom meeting. We got to, we had this opportunity to do this. And um, I, I think that's, that's really important. And I think it's going to um, instill resilience and grit in, in not only ourselves, but our kids. And to that end, bringing it back to you, that's exactly what you're doing. Um, and how you're modeling for your kids. So again, I'm super proud of you. I disagree. I think it, you may feel that you're just doing what you need to do, but I think what makes people extraordinary often is how they handle um, ordinary situations. And I think you are handling this extraordinarily well, and I'm super proud of you. So to that end, um, thank you for sharing and for, um, being so brave today. I know this is something you wanted to share. And um, more pragmatically speaking, um, our communications moving forward, will we will be Lisa Levin and Julie Sapper. So yeah, it's um, to say. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Um, so 
um, run farther and faster is exactly the same, but it will um, moving forward be Lisa Levin and Julie Sapper. And um, Lisa, we're going to turn it over now to Rachel for her words of wisdom. And I just want to once again, thank you so much. I hope you have a great week and I love you and I adore you. And I look forward to another conversation next week. Thanks, Julie. Love you too. Bye. Bye. We are so excited to welcome to the Run Farther and Faster podcast today, our dear friend and physical therapist, Rachel Miller. Rachel is the owner of ProAction Physical Therapy. She is a certified running coach and specializes in the treatment of running injuries and prevention techniques. Rachel has been named a top physical therapist in the Washington, D.C. area for a number of years by Run Washington Magazine. As a runner herself, Rachel is very involved in the running community. Each year, she delivers numerous lectures to various local running groups and has volunteered and is currently the medical coordinator for the Credit Union Cherry Blossom 10-Mile Run. Rachel is coming on our podcast today to not only talk about what we can be doing as runners during this unprecedented time, but she's also coming on to share her life story and what she's learned about dealing with difficult situations. We are grateful that Rachel decided to share her story with our listeners, and we know that you will get a lot out of this episode. Thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on the podcast today. Rachel Miller, welcome to the Run Farther and Faster podcast. Thank you for having me, Lisa and Julie. You're so welcome. We wanted to have you on, Rachel, because not only are you our favorite physical therapist and absolutely, in our opinion, the top physical therapist in the DC area, but you also have um, a very um, intimate perspective as to how to deal with um, challenging and uncertain situations. So for both reasons, we wanted to have you on the podcast today to talk with you a little bit about how to tackle uncertain situations and also as a physical therapist, how we should be approaching our running during this time period when we have the gift of time to work on the little things. I'd be happy to talk about all of that because I think a lot of my experiences certainly do apply to times of stress and challenges and even feelings of grief. So uh, it can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. That's right. So uh, why don't we start off by um, asking you, Rachel, before we talk about your experience as a physical therapist and all you do for our community, could you share with our listeners um, a little bit about yourself and um, why we asked you to come on the podcast today? Sure. So I know both of you, um, I've known you for many years, and both of you have known me and my family. And um, my husband, Howard Miller, was um, diagnosed with colon cancer. He was uh, 44 um, years old, and he was diagnosed with colon cancer out of the blue. He had no family history um, back in 2011. And we went through seven plus years of treatments and being declared no evidence of disease and then more treatments. And um, he unfortunately passed away on November 11th of 2018. So we both knew Howard and um, he was an amazing man and his tenacity and your family's tenacity during this time was inspiring for so many people in our community. And I would just ask you to walk through um, how did your family deal with 
basically almost a decade of uncertainty and challenging times. How did you balance that? And you're a mom, you have, you had young kids through this. Talk to our listeners and, and tell us how you were able to live through that time and have moments of happiness and what you did. Okay, um, I'd be happy to. So my kids, my son Justin was six and Emily was nine years old. So it makes me sad to know that, especially with Justin, that he basically knew Howard as just pretty much being sick, you know, most of Justin's life. But I always had the opinion of, you know what, okay, what's the next step? What do we have to focus on? So with Howard being sick, I had to make sure he was um, taken care of. I had to make sure my kids were taken care of. And to be honest, I didn't think about me per se of taking care of me, but what I knew I did once he got the diagnosis, I told him I need to buy a treadmill <laughs> because if I'm going to be able to take care of everybody else, I just need my running. And if I knew I had to be home because my kids were young. And if I could just get on the treadmill before everybody woke up, that would make me have a better day and be better to share any energy I had with them. So that's what I tried to do for myself without, I think, really knowing I was doing it for myself. I just knew, I just knew deep down I needed to get a treadmill. So what we did was when I think of uncertain times, I, I thought of short like short goals or short term. I thought of day to day. Sometimes it was hour to hour um, where I just thought, okay, this is what we need to do today to get through the day. And, um, and that's what I did. And I think that's how I got through all of those years um, by also, and I've said this so many times, um, it takes a village. And it wasn't just me taking care of everyone. It was also my friends and I call them my family because I'm from New York and my family's up in New York. But my neighborhood friends um, really stepped up when I needed them and that helped with the overall stress of everything. How were you able to, when you were in going hour by hour and day to day, how were you able to manage that, but also find moments of joy? Because I know during that time, you experienced many moments of joy and you allowed yourself to do that. Talk to us as many of us are in this really uncertain situation and share some tips you may have as to how to go about that. So this is what I told my kids and maybe I learned from just being a mom and telling them and then I thought, oh, maybe I should do this for myself too, is I told them every day, look for one thing that will make you happy. Maybe it's seeing a friend. Maybe it's going out for ice cream tonight. Um, maybe it is accomplishing something like putting a puzzle together. Um, and at night, what I always did with especially my daughter, Emily, is we always went over what good thing happened today. And it was really important for me to show them that every day has something good in it. I'm sorry if I'm gonna get a little emotional, but every, every day has something good in it. And it's really hard to find, especially when in my situation, when Howard is laying in bed and can't get out for many days and you're like, what good is in this day? You know what, there is always something good. Maybe. I didn't have the energy to go out for the run I wanted to go out, but you know what? I got on the elliptical for 10 minutes and that was my joy for the day. So I just tried to break it down to one thing a day to focus on that I could look forward to, even if the rest of the day was going to be crappy and you knew it. Love that so much, Rachel. I think that's something that, especially now with 
you know, what everyone's going through, the anxiety, the uncertainty, while it's certainly not on the same level of what you've gone through, something that people can take away and look for the, the small, small good in every day. What, can you tell us a little bit about the time, you know, in the last year, year and a half, how you've now moved forward and um, managed to um, help your kids move forward and what you've taken away from that that's helped you get to where you are today? Sure. Um, it's very much open communication. We were always very open with the kids about what's going on. Um, I wouldn't say we, we were honest, but, you know, once in a while I sugarcoated things because I wanted them to know what was going on, but to not be scared. Well, after he passed away, there was no avoiding the obvious. There's a huge hole in our hearts and in our family, but the key is, is sticking together. And um, honestly, I, I ran more than I've ever run <laughs> afterwards. And then I realized, ooh, my knee is starting to hurt. Oh, my hip is starting to hurt. And that brought me back a little bit to reality of, okay, I need a better way of managing myself because if I just went full force every day, there would come a time where I wouldn't be able to because I'd be hurt. And I think it, it does, I told the kids this too, we've been through hell and right. I mean, our family has, however, everyone has their own challenges. And if you can just um, make sure you don't overdo it, but structure your life and look at the positive, it's always there. And right now, what I see from my runners, from the people I treat, a lot of runners have, um, they run because they love the social aspect of it, right? You run with groups. You can't wait to meet your friends at the track. And we can't do that now. So it's a kind of a grieving process as well. And so I do find there's similarities, though, of course, it's, it's different in terms of the gravity of it. But, you know, everyone has things that affect them very deeply that maybe other people don't understand. Yeah, then going back to a little bit, the kind of trans, this will help us transition into what we want to talk about next. You talked about um, you know, running being an outlet for you during your grief and getting a treadmill and running and then realizing mm -hmm. that you were doing a lot of running, which was your way <laughs> of dealing with things. I think what we've seen with um, our runners and just people in general right now, it's one of the few options we have to get out and run. And we don't have a lot of other options. And a lot of people are dealing with a lot of anxiety and stress. Mm -hmm. And we've been running a lot. So right. let's talk a little bit about that and transition into um, you know, how runners, you as, as an expert, not only an expert mm -hmm. in you know, physical therapy and, and injury prevention, but also as an expert in some somebody who really has firsthand experience with um, dealing with uh, grief through exercise and through running, how we can make sure that our, ourselves as runners and our runners uh, that we coach and anyone who's starting to run or taking up running again, how we can stay both mentally and physically healthy, like that balance between getting out and running and being in the fresh air and getting out anxiety and frustration in our runs and also um, avoiding injury so that we can keep running forever, however long as we need to or want to. Well, it's, it's as you said, Lisa, it's a balance. So when you look at what you want to do to help relieve your stress, and you know, for me, it's a go-to of I'm going to run. But I think if you can try to broaden that topic of running and you have to break it down to, well, what helps my running? Well, it's strengthening. Well, it may be speed work. Well, it's stretching. Um, it's rest. So it's cross-training. So I think if runners now, I, I, I'm, I'm afraid, I, I even spoke to a runner because I'm doing some telehealth and I spoke to a runner who tells me he's running five miles every day, six days a week with his long run of 15 miles. And now his foot's really hurting him. 
and he doesn't want to stop running. And I understand that, but it's all about then modifying. And I do recommend people turn to professionals and coaches like you, because it's about structure. If you just run every day, the same thing, it's that repetitiveness that's going to lead to injury. And then you're not going to be able to run. But if you can have a program that says, okay, on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm running this. And on these other days, I'm doing this. Um, and then on this other day, I'm going to rest or do this. I think if you have yourself a plan, you'll be able to continue to get the joy of running, but also keep yourself strong. Like now a lot of people aren't working as much or they're working from home. It's a great time to strengthen. So I think you can, you can fill in the holes a little bit now that you have more time. It's a great time to sleep. <laughs> no, ah, let's talk about sleep because I yeah, know let's talk about it. sleep. Talk about <laughs> sleep from, from a perspective of, oh. you know, your perspective as a physical therapist that treats runners and injured runners, as well as you're also a running coach and you also have life experience. So talk to us about sleep and the importance. So I'm going to first, I'm going to first talk about life experience. So a lot of people honestly don't know this, but when, um, again, when Howard was sick, there were times that, you know, I just couldn't sleep, which is probably pretty obvious, but sometimes I'd be up at three in the morning. I'd be like, what can I do? What can I do? That's positive. And you know what? I'd get on the treadmill and I don't recommend that for everyone because, okay, that really just is disruptive because I should be sleeping. But you know what? Once in a while, that's what my body needed. And I caught up on sleep later. Um, so when you're going through something that's really painful, it's okay to pepper it in at times that you're not used to, but you have to make sure that you make up for it with rest. So for now, when people aren't sleeping well, because I'm certainly not because of all these the trying times that we have, is if you can get sleep and even take naps, I'm a big believer of taking short naps that won't interrupt your sleep. Sleep is so important for recovery. It's important for your health. So um, I think that goes by the wayside too, especially when you're training, like people are training for Boston, right? And you have your training schedule and you, and you want to stick to it, but sometimes you sacrifice sleep for that. Now, hopefully people will realize that sleep is just as important as other things like nutrition and strengthening, and we'll consider it kind of on the same uh, level of what you need. And, and what about, you touched on this for a second, but what about stress, the effect of stress? And all of us are under, you know, varying degrees of stress right now. And um, so what about the effect of stress? How does that play into our, our well, training and our recovery? Well, stress very much, obviously, it does lower the immune system. So I'm not saying that you, you're more apt in the past. I would say you, you are more apt to get colds um, if you don't have sleep because it will um, affect your stress levels um, and your immune system. Um, it also affects your muscle recovery. People don't realize that. You don't get enough sleep. Sleep is when your body recovers. If sleep is when your muscles get stronger and your bones get stronger. If you don't have that, then you're running on a weakened system. So um, one thing I also tell my runners is you should know your resting heart rate. So if you know your resting heart rate, when you wake up in the morning, take your resting, take your heart rate before you get out of bed. It, if, if it is 10 beats higher, than your normal resting heart rate, that's an indication that your body is fighting something. Maybe it's a little cold. Maybe it's just really terrible allergies. But that should be an indication that, hmm, what was I going to do today? Was I going to do a really hard speed workout? Maybe I need to back it off and make it an easy run. And that's when you guys come into play, right? You as coaches can, can help them recognize when they may need to stray from their, um, their uh, training schedule. Yeah, I, I want to go back to something, though, before we talk about 
training schedules and, and days to run. And that is your comment about how you um, would sometimes deal with your insomnia by running on the treadmill. <laughs> that, I mean, first of all, I think listening to you talk, I just, I have to comment, you're, you're my hero. Like I just, when I think about what you went through and, and how you were able to parent and run a business and all the things you, you've done and continue to do, your strength is amazing to me. And I just want to give you props and I know you're very humble, so you can just laugh it off, but I just want to say that. Um, well, I, know I, can, I can laugh it off a little bit, but, um, I appreciate you saying that. I, I guess, um, just my, my way of dealing with things is just to compartmentalize and say, okay, I just need to focus on this. And I just, now I need to focus on this. I think if everyone can try to step back and with all the stress going on, focus on one thing, it, it really pairs it down to something that's manageable. If I looked at the big picture with Howard, um, I wouldn't be able to deal with everything. But what I looked at was, okay, what's the next treatment? This didn't work. What am I going to research for the next treatment? Oh, he's feeling good today. Let's go out for a walk. It's, it's more breaking, breaking it down into more manageable stresses, even though the big stress is still there in an underlying manner. Does that make sense? Yes, that is great advice, especially when you aren't sure about a timeline. And no. I think that's terrific advice to break, se break things down into segments and tackle each segment separately and figure out what you can do. Sort of like the phrase we've used a lot over the past few weeks, trying to manage and control the controllables. And, and, that's, and that's huge. And that's what I've told people when they ask, how did I do it? Honestly, anyone would do, I feel anyone would do the same thing in my position, which is you just put everything into what you need to, right? I need, I wanted everything I wanted to put everything into trying to find a cure. And then I realized, you know what? There is no cure right now. And I had to tell the kids that, but you know what we can do? We can make it a manageable disease. And we did that for four years after he was diagnosed with stage four. Originally he was diagnosed with stage three. And you're thinking, oh good, stage three, that's not all over the body. So we can handle this. But then two years later, when he was diagnosed with stage four, you're like, okay, now there's no cure. What can we do? And so you have to change your mindset of, okay, we're going to make this a manageable disease. So we'll try to manage it the best we can. And I love your phrase, control the controllables, because you can, even in this day and age with, with COVID-19 and everyone taking precautions, focus on what you can control. And I think the overall stress level will be reduced for your mind and your body. So I also want to comment before, this is all great advice, and I like the idea of kind of putting things in boxes, um, and, and I've seen you firsthand do that, and you, you do it very well. And um, when you talk about insomnia and having to get on the treadmill, that goes back to something that I feel about running, and I think that's why so many runners gravitate to running during this difficult time, and why your patient is now having a foot problem, and that is running is meditative the action and the motion of putting one foot in front of the other is very soothing for so many people. So it's not necessarily about running for endorphins right now or fitness, but rather it's self-soothing for many people, whether they realize it or not. So um, talk to us about how to manage that with preventing injury and your thoughts about yoga specifically. 
Sure, I, I love how you described it as self-soothing. It is, it's this repetitive motion that you don't have to think about, so your mind can kind of be released. And so when I told that runner that, you know, when he's running seven days a week, and when I kind of joked around about pairing it back to less days, you know, and he didn't want to, I get it. So what you want to do then is change up that run every day. Okay, you want to run five miles every day? Then I want you to change your pace, one day a little faster, one day a little slower. I know both you and Lisa talk about strides and peppering and strides. So you know what, one day I want you to do five strides. Don't do the same routine every day, switch it up a little bit and it will definitely help prevent injury by doing it that way. Now yoga, when you're running so much, your body's going to get tight. So there's no doubt and people blame age. And I have to say, when I turned 30, I started to get stiff. When I turned 40, I became stiffer and I'm turning 50 next month. And I have a feeling I'm going to be even stiffer. So I do believe as we get older, we have to make sure we take better care of our bodies. And yoga is a wonderful way to not only work on stretching those muscles that get tight from running so much, but um, it also works on balance. And think about running. Running is a single leg sport. You guys have heard me say that a lot. And yoga helps with single leg activities, which will help translate into, into running better. Rachel, what, what other, um, you know, in addition to yoga um, and all of the other things we've talked about, sleep and um, stretching and, and strength training, what other activities can people do now that we're limited? We don't have the gym. We don't, may not have equipment. What, what other cross training or complementary training do you think runners can do with limited resources? Sure. Um, well, first thing, just to go back to the yoga and some other classes, I mean, and you're, you're promoting local businesses, local trainers and such, which I think is wonderful, um, is there's so many things now online that you can partake in. Even if you feel um, that you've never taken a class before, you can kind of take advantage of that. I'm a big believer in Pilates as well. If you don't have a stable center, how can your arms and legs work? So I think Pilates is a wonderful adjunct to running once a week, twice a week. But with Pilates, you do have to make sure you're doing it correctly. So I am a big believer of try at another time when we can be more socially connected um, and physically connected. I would, I would seek out a, a Pilates instructor one-on-one, -on -one, even one visit to make sure you're engaging the right muscles. Because I see a lot of these classes, which are great, but if you're doing squats, but you're only using your quads and not your glutes, then you're not getting the most out of it. Cross training, if you have access to like a pool, I always say is great, we can't do that now. So um, elliptical, bike, even getting out on a bike ride outside is a, just a nice way of, of, of changing things up a bit that will still maybe not be feel the same as running, but you know, it's supporting your running. So you just have to know those things are just as important. And one thing I just want to go back to like the yoga um, and, and that reminds me of stretching and, and foam rolling. So some people go to the gym and they use the foam roller and things that they have there because I'm a big fan of just self massaging because you may have certain areas that are tight. And if you can just take something to roll that tightness out, it goes a long way. But while you're at home, look in your kitchen if you have a rolling pin that you use to bake, and I've been doing a lot of baking this week, um, a rolling pin is just like the stick or a foam roller. Take that out and massage your muscles. It really works. That's great. What, any other household goods or things like I know we've talked about lacrosse balls or um, what else? What else can we use that's around our house to help with that? 
I love golf balls, rolling your foot over a golf ball. I love a tennis ball where if you're lying on your stomach and you place a tennis ball on your quads, like on your, on the front part of like just above your knee and you're bending your knee, it's like a self massage to that area, rolling over a tennis ball, using your fingers. It, it, it's great if you can take your, your fingers and just massage around the area that's tight or tender, it, it really goes a long way. And should and, and touching sort of adjacent to that topic, should we be using heat or ice if we're feeling any tightness or soreness or what what should we what should we be doing if um, as runners we're starting to feel something you know maybe because we've been running more or just something that's you know we can't immediately and we're going to talk about this a little bit more later we can't immediately run into your office to see you what are some things that we can do to mm-hmm. self self treat or, or as soon as we maybe sense something's feeling not exactly right what what can we do. Well, that's a great question, and I give a lot of talks to different running groups through the years, and and I do that because most injuries are preventable if you just recognize what it is and what to do about it. So I used to always say ice, 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 ice is your best friend, but there is new research that shows that heat could be better than ice because heat heat, uh, promotes blood flow and healing. Ice shunts blood flow, but that's why it's good for inflammation. So I'm going to say... If you have specific inflammation, if a, say you, you run and you step on a, a rock and you sprain your ankle and it, it swells up, that's a great time to use ice for the first 48 to 72 hours. If something is hot, red, and swollen, I believe ice is the best thing and elevate it. It's rice, rest, ice, compression, and elevation. That all works for that. But if it's more of a soreness, I think you can do really well with a heating pad for 20 minutes. Um, over the area of tenderness, and you can do that, um, and that often does the trick as well. Rachel, I have a question for you, and that is, um, we all have a lot of time right now that we've been given the gift of time. Um, I know, and when I say that, I'm not diminishing the fact that many of us are working and homeschooling while trying to navigate this new abnormal, but because we're not training for races right now specifically, that's what I mean when I say as runners, we have a gift, the gift of time. What are some things that you can assign to us as a physical therapist that we can all be working on during this abnormal period as runners? Uh, To me, the key is strength. I think people just tell me that they don't have time to do strengthening because they're running. They may have an hour at work for lunch, so they go run for an hour or they run for 50 minutes and shower for 10. Um, I think now if you could, um, and I know you both, you know, you run farther and faster has exercise that you send out to your runners to help support their running. I think just focusing on those are wonderful. Your glutes, your hips, your core, now's a great time to do it. And And I do believe in terms of what you're saying, we are given the gift of time right now, not diminishing the horrible things that are happening around us, but again, look at, well, okay, this is all happening. What can I do one positive thing for myself? And as a runner, I think if you could gift yourself the time to even take 15 minutes to strengthen your body and do some even standing single leg exercises, like step-ups standing up and doing leg raises out to the side, mini lunges, not deep lunges, but just very mini lunges. Um, Those exercises will help support your running and probably help make you feel good too. 
Now, is that different? Do you have any exercises specifically that you recommend for mobility? Because that's something also I know you focus on heavily as a physical therapist, in, addif in addition to strengthening, also being able to move in different planes. Yes, um, I do focus a lot on that too. So one thing I, I know you give your runners too is I really love dynamic drills. Um, and it's not just high knees and you know kicking your knees up in skips, but I know it's also really good to work on sidestepping to work on, uh, people call it karaoke or braiding um, or grapevine, where you're, you're putting one leg in front of the other in the front and in the back. So if you can um, make sure that you're addressing different planes, if you're standing on one leg to do an exercise, maybe reach back and go reach back to the opposite side so you're getting a little rotation. Because when you run, like as a physical therapist, I'm like a biomechanist in a, in a sense. You think of, of, of biomechanics. When you run, you think you're running in a straight line, right? So you are, or you should be, even though sometimes you see people running with their arms going in, you know, and sideways when your legs going straight. <laughs> but, but what you want to do is what you want to understand. And I think as a runner, you just won't understand unless you're maybe a therapist, physical therapist is you have muscles deep down in your joints, like your hips that control the little minute rotation that occurs at each joint. So you may not know what's happening, but you need those muscles to be strong, um, to be able to control all those minute motions while you're running to, so the larger muscle groups don't have to work so hard. That's great advice. What, is there anything you can think of that we shouldn't be doing right now? Um, in terms of exercise or running generally? Anything generally as a, as a physical therapist while we're in this unique situation, is there anything that you would say, please don't do that right now? Yes. If I, in the ideal world, I'd say, please don't run every day. But if okay. you mentally feel like you have to, then as we said before, you need to switch up the type of run it is, how long it is, how short it is. Um, you can't make every run a hard run. You can't. You need to follow a hard run, which I define as a faster run, hill work, a long run you have to follow it by an easier day. Even gift, gift yourself a day of rest. It's okay to do that. One thing also I wanna warn people in terms of now having more time is if you do start an exercise routine, again, not every day. I have um, a patient who had to have her hip um, cartilage repaired. And this was a few months ago and she was doing great. I discharged her, she was back. Her main goal was to return to bar. She had a bar class. Well, then she called me up two months later and said, my hip is killing me. And I said, wow, what have you been doing? She was doing bar class, not, not just once a day, but sometimes twice a day. <laughs> so, you know, and then I, I said, I go, did you just hear what you said? And she said, yeah, that's too much, isn't it? <laughs> and sometimes you don't realize it. So um, recognize that probably having a plan in place and sticking to it is the best thing. So exercising the same way every day won't work for you because your muscles will get fatigued. And Rachel, what about distances? You know, we have a lot of runners who were training for marathons and may want to do a virtual marathon or they want to keep their mileage up. And, you know, for most of our runners, we've advised them to scale back um, that mileage just because it's hard to keep that mileage up. What, what do you say to runners um, who may say like, well, I still want to go out and run my virtual marathon or my virtual half marathon or, you know, what, what about in terms of, of mileage? 
So if they want to, because it's, it's, again, they're grieving in a sense that yeah. they can't run the race that they were training for, especially if someone just got into Boston for the first time, right? Now it's, so I'm going to talk about, say, the Boston runners. So now it's postponed till September. So for those runners, you have to be really careful. Um, there's something called periodization where your training should be varied through the year where you have a kind of a pre-season and then like in-season and then a post-season type of recovery. So if you're training for a race that you know is going to be in September, be careful about running hard now. You need to probably scale back and then focus on a training program that you give them specifically for that future race. So if you're going to do though, say your race virtually now, say the cherry blossom, right? It was canceled and actually the cherry blossom is putting on a virtual race. I don't know if you guys knew that um, for a virtual race that day. Yep, And you can actually submit your time and they're going to be posted. Yeah, exactly. So I'm okay with you continuing with your, with your training. However, you have to make sure that you recover from that training. So you have to figure out your goals. Your goals can't be, I'm going to do this virtual 10 miler, but then I'm going to do two weeks later, uh, a marathon. You, you have, your virtual is really real. So you really have to um, schedule your training around um, recovery as well as in-season training, which you guys are great at. They so just, the mileage, your runners the have mileage to still counts. I'm sorry? The mileage still counts. The mileage saying. still counts. Absolutely. Absolutely. And trust in the training plan. If your coach has changed your training plan because now you're not running the race, trust, have trust in that training plan. Doing more, I always say this, more is not more. <laughs> more turns out to be less. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you're overly trained or overtired, then nothing's going to work right. And we, we talk about that a lot. And I, I can see how it would be easy to do that unintentionally because you think, well, I don't have a race. I'm not training for anything. So you just go out and run again, as we mentioned before, for meditative purposes or because it's comforting and then suddenly you find yourself exhausted and you're not sure why, it may be a result of just not putting a lot of thought into it. So by you sort of sharing your thoughts on the little things we can do, we can replace at least one or two days of running with some strength and mobility work without a run as well. Exactly. I mean, my ideal, uh, well, everyone is different, right? So if you're a recreational runner, I still believe you should probably be running three or four days a week. If you don't have a race or anything in mind, then maybe cross train a day or two and make sure you're doing three days of strengthening and, and stretching as well. Um, now, there are more experienced runners out there who know their body, but that doesn't mean you're strong enough to be able to tolerate running more and more and doing that over a month's time and not breaking down. So you have to realize your limits or turn to a coach that can help you recognize your limits. So Rachel, for those who don't have the benefit of living in the DC area um, to see you, what, what do you think people should look for when um, looking for a runner friendly physical therapist? Well, you can certainly read what's out there on the internet, but that always scares me. I always tell people, you know, you can't believe, you know this, you can't believe what you read on the internet. A lot of it is word of mouth. I've had, it's so interesting. I had a runner come, honestly, who drove three and a half hours to see me last month um, because she couldn't find a physical therapist um, around her in Pennsylvania. And she spoke to a friend who lived in Virginia who recommended me. So a lot of it is word of mouth and, and asking your friends and maybe on these um, listservs like Montgomery County Roadrunners Club, um, you want to ask 
people's experiences with other, you know, with healthcare professionals. And certainly if you're injured, you need to go to someone who understands runners. So right now we're also implementing telehealth since my clinic can't be open right now. Um, and finding someone that you can videotape with where I can see what exercises they're doing. They can even show me the wear pattern on their shoe. I can talk about their training program. There's a lot that can be done remotely to help people. Talk to us a little bit about um, what you've done now in your practice, um, what, what kind of the evolution throughout the last couple of weeks of what you've done and where you are right now in terms of treating patients. Sure. Um, so it's, you know, we, we saw it coming even six weeks ago. So even six weeks ago, I tried to order, say, masks and everything's on back order. Thank goodness I ordered enough Purell, so we're fine. But the evolution has been, you know what, we, we need to we need to respect the social and physical distancing. And I was seeing with last week we saw I'm sorry, two weeks ago, we we did see patients and there were patients I called up who I felt maybe were more susceptible. They were older. They were living with someone who had issued medical issues. And I would tell them, you know, I don't think you should come in. And they would tell me, I want to come in. And that put me in a, in a situation where I felt like I had a responsibility to protect people, not just treat people. So I decided this week that we wouldn't see anyone in the clinic, which is, is many people are in this situation. You're, you're hit financially, right? You have a staff that you want to help support, but you're now not seeing people. So we implemented telehealth where people can email us or call us and we can send you a link. It takes honestly just a few seconds and you click into it like it's like a Zoom and you set up an appointment. A lot of insurances cover it and some do not, um, but it's a nice alternative when you can't be in the office and have your hands on someone. So are you accepting new patients um, with this new program for now? Anyone theoretically who lives anywhere could reach out to you. Would you, are you willing to um, talk with people who are not currently within your practice or is this just for current patients? No, that's a great question. And thank you for clarifying it. It's for current patients and it's for new patients. We are happy to talk to anyone from around the country, around the world um, who needs help with any injury they're having, whether it's running or non-running related. And, um, and we set up a, a meeting and it's usually about, it could be anywhere from 45 minutes, maybe to an hour, because I like to talk to people and find out their history, what, what drove them to, to get to where they are today and then be able to help them from there. So it is open to, to anyone. And um, I wouldn't want to practice only this way because I like having my hands on people. But in this situation, in this day and time, when you don't know how many weeks we're going to be like this, it's a great alternative to actually going into someone's office. And how would, how would our listeners um, get in touch with you and find out more about this and set up an appointment if they wanted to do that? that that's great. Even though we're not in the office right now, next week we are going to see more um, urgent care. I'm going to say we are considered essential workers in the state of Maryland. So I have some patients who just had total shoulder replacement or had Achilles repair that we're going to see a couple of those. But for everyone else, what I would say is you can email us at info at proactionpt.com or you can call us at 301-881-CARE, C-A-R-E, or it's 2273. And my staff checks all messages and we would get back to you very, very quickly. Okay, so we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put oh, that in. Thanks. 
so a runner right now who maybe is, you know, just starting to feel something, mm-hmm. um, that would be a, it sounds to me like it would be a great way to check in with you without having to make an appointment and come in physically. It would be a great way to get some face-to-face time and be able to go over what's going on and, and get a sense of what they might be able to do to make sure it doesn't turn into a larger injury or more serious injury. So I love people like that. So people who never had the time to do as many runs as they wanted to, like I've had runners who are like, you know what, I can only run once a week, but now they can run more. That is the perfect time to talk to someone like me to go over, okay, what should you be doing? What shouldn't you be doing? Let's um, talk about risks of injury or signs of injury and what you can do about it. It's a perfect time before you really start a training program to get all the information you need. And as an example, actually, I just, um, two days ago, I had a virtual telehealth visit with um, a new mom. She's an Ironman and she just had a baby a month ago and she wants to get back safely into running and into training. So I just spent an hour with her talking about what she's been doing, what, what she can be doing and what she should be doing. And it was a great visit. And do you follow up with the, with the, um, after yes. the telehealth with like written, uh, you know, exercises or a follow-up? Mm-hmm. Yes, I can, um, I can email exercises to them. What I've been doing is I email what I've demonstrated to them because I can demonstrate to them and then I want them to show me what they're doing and then I'll send them um, a copy of everything that we just went over. Um, I also like, I'm a communicator. I love to follow up with people. So I, if I don't hear, I tell them, if I don't hear from them in a week or two, they're going to be hearing from me. I want to know how their exercises are going. I want to know how their running is going. I want to know if they're running into any issues, any questions. Um, so there's always a follow-up and that's what makes you so good, Rachel. It's important. I mean, you, you just, it's important to know where someone's at and it's, it's nice to keep in touch to know how to progress as well and progress safely. I don't want people getting hurt. I know that sounds like a terrible business person, but as a physical therapist, there are people who get hurt all the time. Runners, they normally get hurt because they're not listening to their bodies. And if I could just give them some tips on how to do that and what to do about feeling something that may be like a red flag, I'm really happy to do it because running brings me so much joy. I I just, it's so sad when someone has pushed through an injury and then can't run anymore. I'm sure you've seen that. Yep. And so that's an advice you've always given us that we've always passed along to our runners is better to take a day or two off or modifying now than weeks or possibly months later if you ignore it and it gets too, you know, gets too far down the road. Exactly. So Rachel, before we wrap up, I had uh, one additional question, and that is um, during these times of stress, sometimes stress can affect our running and we we may not feel like ourselves. How can um, we determine whether it's appropriate to run through um, times when our runs just don't feel great due to stress or when we should take a break? That's um, That's a great point and a great question. I don't want you, I don't want someone to doubt what they're feeling. If you know you're just not feeling it, like feeling it in quotes, right? And you just, you're supposed to do a hard workout and you just feel slow and you feel drained. You know what? Instead of pushing through that workout or bailing on that full workout, make it into an easy run. It's always about modifying. And you, you have heard me say that a lot. Listen to your body. If it's not, if you know deep down, like you're just not feeling right, or you did not get sleep. Doing a hard run or what you plan to do, but your gut is saying, maybe I shouldn't do it. 
is not going to help you in the long run. What's going to happen is you may get through that one, but the next day you're going to be feeling it and you may not be able to run. I'll be honest with you, when, when, when Howard was sick and I knew I wanted to run, but I just, I didn't have the energy to do it. I would tell myself, okay, I'm just going to do 10 minutes on the elliptical and I'm going to make and see what I do. And so I would get on the elliptical instead and it wasn't the same as running, but I still felt good about what I was doing. So there's always an alternative to that. And you need to listen to your, to that gut saying, this isn't going to be a great run. Just change it up a little bit. It's great advice. Well, I think we're going to close out there and, and thank you for your candor and for sharing your personal experience. We are constantly in awe of you and so proud of you, Rachel. And we're so lucky to have you as a friend and a resource. Well, thank you. And I am very lucky to have both of you in my life and also to know that I'm sending people to coaches who understand what it means to to create a program personally for someone and to modify it when is needed because it, it is really all about modifying it and tailoring a program to what someone can do. Well, so much of what we've, what we pass along to our runners and how we keep our runners healthy, we've learned from you. So, um, you know, huge mutual respect and, and appreciation for everything you do. And, and, and I feel like we always have a partnership where we, we help mm -hmm. our runners because of our partnership. So uh, really, we appreciate you spending the time with us today to share not only your, your, your professional expertise, but your lessons that you've learned and that you, everything you've demonstrated through the way you live your life. So we, we are both huge fans of yours and, and respect you immensely and, and really appreciate the time that you've given us today. Well, well, I really appreciate all your questions and your candor and um, just allowing me to just speak from the heart. And, um, uh, and I really appreciate it. And I hope um, people can take something away from it. We are sure they will. Thank you, Rachel. All right. You guys take care and be safe, okay? Thanks, Rachel. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.